My name is David Hershkovitz. I'm the founder of Paper Magazine, and this is Light Culture. Listen, learn, and stay ahead of the curve as I knock heads with cultural disruptors of the past, present, and future. Light Culture is brought to you by Burb, the Vancouver-based cannabis brand. Wikipedia describes Carter Cruz as an American DJ, singer, music producer, model, and pornographic actress, I would venture to say that she's even greater than the sum of those parts. She's a star with a voice she won't hesitate to use. Her opinions refreshingly outspoken on a range of subjects from the Catholic Church to pornography, Donald Trump, and Black Lives Matter. I'm not sure how the winner of the AVN Awards for the Best New Starlet and Best Actress of 2015 fits in with the adult entertainment industry today, but I plan to ask her. She was built for social media, and I urge everyone to track down her at Carter Cruz account, where her loyal fans turn on to both her body and her mind. Welcome, Carter. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> That's good. On your Instagram page, you describe yourself as bad girl gone good, kinda. <laughs> How do you feel about that today? When did you start that account? I actually had that Instagram in college, but I deleted most everything. All that content is not there anymore. But I kind of, the bad girl gone good is kind of my nod to, you know, obviously people find me through porn a lot of times. I kind of have gone good because I no longer shoot porn, but I wouldn't consider myself a good girl. And just wanting to acknowledge my past and not show any shame for it without necessarily broadcasting it to companies that want to hire me for other things. You know, you don't necessarily want to say, yeah, I did I did pornography right there on the front. You know, most people are already going to know, you know, it's a little tongue in cheek because obviously I don't think that doing pornography made me a bad person. But according to most mainstream society, it's definitely edgy. (laughs) So you acknowledge that it's hard to cross over from that. So which was something you knew in the beginning, didn't you? Isn't that something you already took into consideration when you first decided to embark on this path? Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, I don't think anyone can be fully aware of the stigma and the societal impact of doing adult work until you do it. But I had read, you know, a lot of girls' like interviews. I was aware of what I was getting into. I knew it was shocking and I knew that it would be something I would carry for the rest of my life. That was definitely something I was aware of. I think the reality was maybe a little bit harsher than I imagined, but that was a challenge to me. And it was one thing that drew me to the adult industry because I thought, you know, if I can do this and do it well and make a name for myself and then go on and do other things, I can prove to the world that doing adult work, being proud of your body, sexuality, celebrating that and sharing it with people doesn't limit you. It doesn't mean that that's all you can do, you know? And I think that's a lot of times people think that. And people do that with everything. I mean, 
people who are a model and they try to get into something else or they're a musician, even Kanye, you know, going from music into fashion, you know, a lot of people would be like, what are you doing? Like you're a rapper, stick to music. I think it happens in every industry, but you know, obviously with adult, there is this crazy stigma that exists as well. And uh, I, I wanted to fight that. And I wanted to prove that that doesn't really define a person. It's really part of all of us. And some people just choose to share it. Well, you mentioned Kanye, of course, you know, he's running for president now and he's actually going around <laughs> trying to get people to sign up to put him on the ballot. Uh, and now <laughs> they Didn't he drop out? Oh, no, he's really back and doing it. And now there are articles coming out saying that the Republicans are working for him, that a lot of the same people that are in the Trump campaign team are working for Kanye to get him on the ballot. I have a lot of respect for him in a creative way. And I also understand that he suffers from bipolar, which is something that I'm pretty intimately familiar with. I have a lot of mixed feelings about all everything he does because sometimes it feels like just a grab for attention. Other times it seems like maybe this is a symptom of something deeper that's going on. I don't know if pulling into politics when you're still dealing with your own mental health is necessarily the answer, especially when we're already dealing with a shit show. But I do have to respect him for, you know, just pretty much doing whatever whatever he wants, even though sometimes I might not agree with it or necessarily support it. Uh, I definitely have to respect him just for not caring and doing him all the time. <laughs> well, I just hope he wouldn't inflict his bipolarism on us. You know what I mean? It's like, that's a private thing. You know, go work it out and, and hope you feel better, can do something. Right. But inflicting it on the rest of us, not to mention his family. But anyway, enough about Kanye. <laughs> <laughs> like Kanye, though, since we brought him up more as like somebody who can do different things and do them well, when you were conceiving of yourself, you changed your name, right? So it was more of like a whole exercise and a business plan, uh, you know, whether you had it written down or not, I don't know. But, you know, that it says, I'm presenting this brand. We're going to be wind up doing work in all these different areas. And I'm starting out here. This is where like my startup is. And then I could have all these divisions and sort of expand from there. Yeah, that was always kind of the plan. It was, you know, when I created you know, Carter Cruz's persona, I never intended that to just be a porn name. You know, I knew that I wanted to basically do music and I knew I wanted to do other things. So that's always been like a part of it from the very beginning was how can this grow into something else? It was very calculated and I definitely did write things down. I have to write actually everything down because very ADHD and I cannot, if it's not written down, it's not getting done. <laughs> I have to have it physically in front of me. And I actually, I remember when I first got into the business, I made a little list of goals that I wanted to accomplish and put that in my wallet. And I really did accomplish all those things. It's very exciting, but I really did go into it with a plan. And I think everyone should, because of the stigma of sex work and because of the challenges you'll face trying to do anything else, if you go into it not knowing why or what you plan to do after, I think that's where a lot of girls, also guys, but I think for women, the stigma is much stronger. They do this. And then when they try to 
move on to other things and they feel frustrated, then they blame a lot of that on the adult industry and say like, why this is, this happened to me because of the adult industry. So whenever anyone reaches out to me about, Oh, I'd love to do this. It seems so fun. I'm like, you need to have a plan. You know, this won't last forever. And there are some people who really can make a career out of it forever. They will go from performing to directing and producing. There are people who can do that, but you really have to love something to want to do it for that long. So I think it's very important to have that plan. You know, I knew I was like, I'm going to do porn for a couple of years. I want to hit these goals and then I'm going to transition into music and I want to hit these goals. Then I have other things I want to do as well. I'm also discovering that, you know, moving into music, the stigma is a little less, especially in electronic music. A lot of DJs date girls in porn and it's a party lifestyle. It's nightlife. People are a lot more accepting and it's not so much of a judgment, but going into other things like mainstream acting is like crazy. Like I, I, it's one of those things where I thought, oh, I can eventually go into mainstream acting, but it's impossible to even get an audition. Yeah, that's hard for everybody. And I feel like you have a great personality. I love what you write on Instagram and you know, your, and your sense of humor of what you're doing on Instagram as well. So it's not just posing yourself in these kind of glamorous situations. <laughs> Instagram is definitely not my uh, my social media of choice. It's more something that I feel like I'm forced to do because it is kind of the main marketing thing that everyone's like wants to see how many followers you have and like what kind of reach you have. And so it's definitely the main social media that people care about. But I'm definitely more of a Twitter girl. Always have been because there's just so much more space to share your views and have discussion with people on Instagram. There's not quite as much, you know, I occasionally I get a little political or a little outspoken on there, but my Twitter is a hundred times more. Because you know? <laughs> you're in a visual medium, obviously, and you could get millions of followers, I expect, if you, you know, would play up your body and present it in a way that other women do and get lots of followers, you know, as a result of that. But you're doing something a little bit more odd and offbeat, I think. <laughs> well, thank you. And yeah, and it is sometimes I question it because the amount of accolades I've had in porn, the amount of movies I've done, the name I have in that business compared to my social media following is very different. You know, most girls on my level in the industry have at least twice as many followers, if not more. Obviously, their content is a much more thirst trappy and you know and there's nothing wrong with that you know I think that that's great and that's what their followers want right you come there because you saw this girl in a porn and you want to see her post sexy pictures and they're giving their fans what they want and I think that's great and it's not that I don't like that stuff I like I like taking an occasional nude and you know I'm comfortable in my body but I always wanted to make it clear that that wasn't like you're not following Carter Cruz the porn star you're following Carter Cruz, the person, and I'm multifaceted and I do other things. And so by keeping my social media a little bit more offbeat and not so sexy, I think it's really been great for me because my fans have translated really well into other things I've done because they're not just following me just to see me half naked all the time because I never really do that. 
you can go on Pornhub and see that stuff if you want. But on my socials, it's a lot more clean and a lot more of my personality. So I think I do have more quality followers, but I definitely have less because of it. And it's always kind of like, oh, should I like go a little bit more this way? So I like get those numbers up, but I want to attract people that like me for who I am and not just for my body. You can like me for that too, but. <laughs> yeah, well, these, no. these photos just feel more real and authentic and intimate. You know, it's like the way the paparazzi chase a starlet down the street because she's in her sweatpants and, you know, and that's what people don't <laughs> see. That's what they want to see. So, you know, right, I think it's, yeah. either way, it's going to work out for you. But, you know, as you're talking about your Twitter and, and Instagram and the things that you tend to comment about, it's you, you know, they're very touchy subjects, right, in some ways. Because, uh, for example, I alluded to the one about the Catholic Church, <laughs> which I'll, I'll quote, is cashing in billions of dollars in pandemic relief to save them from bankruptcy due to lawsuit settlements. And, you know, meanwhile, the rest of the people aren't getting anything, right? And, these, right? and this is a tax-free institution. So you really went to town on this, though. You, you know, if somebody made a comment, you responded. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of had tweeted something about the Catholic Church, and someone brought that to my attention, that they had gotten this federal aid money. And I, I didn't believe it at first. I, you know, I was like, where's your source? Like, let me see this. And then I find it, you know, like New York Times or whatever, that basically, you know, and it wasn't just the Catholic Church, it was also a lot of mega churches. And I think like one of these churches, they had bought a private jet at the beginning of this pandemic, but now they're saying we don't have money, so we need federal relief. Most of this relief is in loans, so it theoretically will be paid back, but still money is money and someone gives you a small loan of a billion dollars, you can do a lot with that. I think, you know, a lot of people would be happy with a loan of a billion dollars. Oh yeah. So I was very shocked when uh, I saw that. And I actually just went and rewatched Spotlight the other day. I'd seen it, you know, a few years ago and it had come back up on Netflix. So I rewatched it the other day and it was just wild to me because in our society, so many people are obsessed with this idea of there's some secret pedophile sex ring, you know, going on. There's so many different theories and they've existed for forever. And just people are really obsessed with this idea, obviously because it's shocking and it's something that everyone can be against. You know, so many things are dual sided, but you know, pretty much everyone agrees that hurting a child is wrong. So it's this thing that everyone can kind of get on board with. <laughs> apparently not, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, apparently not because it's very interesting to me that basically we're always looking for the secret ring of sex abusers. We're always like looking for, oh, this person must be involved. But it's just wild to me that basically for centuries, the Catholic Church has allowed this to continue. They've hidden it. And they're still settling cases and we're literally giving them free money. Sure. And there's a lot of also talk about the tax exempt status. And now the secretary of education wants to give money to the churches for their schools as well for the education. It's an interesting subject for a lot of different reasons. Are your views welcome in your community? Do you feel like your community, I don't know, you know, I'm just making this assumption about community. Obviously, it's diverse. But do you get a lot of pushback on it, especially some of your, you know, stronger opinions from people you might be working with or run into? 
in LA, most people are pretty, you know, progressive and kind of on the same page. And I would say that also because I am so outspoken, people are very used to it. So I definitely have followers that disagree with me very heavily on things, but they kind of appreciate the way that I talk about things. You know, one thing I noticed during the Black Lives Matter protest, a lot of people were shocked at how many followers they were losing because they were talking about Black Lives Matter. And, you know, I kind of thought, well, that's because you've never really talked about these issues until now. So most of your followers, they just think, oh, I follow this person for this and that. And you start posting political stuff and they're like, I'm out. Whereas for me, that's always been something I've talked about. Even before I was Carter Cruz, my personal Facebook in college, you know, I went to college and in the South and I was, you know, much more liberal and progressive than most of the people around me. And I was in writing inflammatory posts even then. And, you know, in high school getting into arguments with my friends, parents about organized religion. So it's always been who I am to talk about these things. Of course, there's always someone who will disagree, but as far as my community and the people that I surround myself with are on the same page. And I and I do want to have a diverse community. I don't want to have everyone around me agree. We don't have to all agree on everything, but there is a certain level of agreement that I require from someone that I want to spend time with or associate with. You know, we don't necessarily have to agree on economic policies, but can we at least agree that Black Lives Matter and that sex workers shouldn't be stigmatized? These are things that are so basic moral things to me that I wouldn't want to associate with anyone who couldn't agree with that. You mentioned you were in college. So you did you actually start acting in films while in college? Yeah, actually, in my last semester. <laughs> and it was actually really crazy because I was a senior and you're really fifth year senior. So and I was definitely known on campus. I worked downtown at a bar and, you know, I was all, I was always out. I was a party girl. Wild girl, yeah. Yeah, I was a party girl, everyone. So it was definitely kind of a thing. You know, no one had ever... And when I first started, you know, it was kind of a little secret at first. But then, of course, it got out. And, you know, I never really tried to hide it that much. It just wasn't something I necessarily immediately told everyone. But it was very interesting to kind of... It was a big deal. Like, I would go... Like, when I first, like, started, I went out to a bar in college. And it was wild. Like everyone was just talking to me and it was very overwhelming. It's not something you generally experience as a porn star because people might recognize you, but they very often don't say anything. It's not like being a normal celebrity where everyone's going to come up to you. A lot of people like kind of look at you and you know, they recognize you, but they're not going to say anything. But in my college town, it's very weird because I was in school. I was in a sorority. People knew me. Suddenly I was, had this like level of celebrity when I was barely even known in the porn world. You know, I'd maybe shot 10 videos, half of them aren't out. No one in the world knows who I am. But at my college, I just get completely overwhelmed by people when I go out because everyone knows that, oh, this girl, you know, at our school is doing porn. So she crossed the line. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I will say like, um, as far as my sorority, when I first started, it was so shocking. I mean, these are nice Southern girls, you know, they're, they've never even thought of anything like that. And it was, you know, very shocking. And they, a lot of girls didn't want anything to do with me. They were so embarrassed. Uh, I remember one girl, kind of, we don't look that much alike, but similar, you know, and I guess a few people had went up to her thinking that she was me. 
And she was so embarrassed that she cried, you know, because it's so embarrassing to be mistaken for me. Like, oh, but, you know, as the years went by, uh, a lot of those girls have really come around. I've actually become closer with some of them than I ever was in college. And that girl who like cried and was so embarrassed to be confused with me, we had a little chat and she is like a big fan now. She's really supportive. And so it's been really cool to kind of see that change in people. Like these people had never been exposed to that. And it was so shocking and upsetting and this is wrong. And now they're all like, you're awesome. This is so cool. And that makes me feel good that, you know, I might not be able to change the world overnight or ever, but if I can at least change the people in my community, if I can open their minds and change their perspectives and get them to think about things differently, then I feel like I've done something worthwhile with my life. It's surprising, in fact, because you could have totally turned your back on them, burnt that bridge, fuck that, I'm out of here, <laughs> and never actually talked to any of them again. So, I, I, you know, I guess you're kind of a forgiving soul in that way. Well, you know, and I understood it, you know, when I first heard that this had happened, that she had been so embarrassed, I, I, I really did feel bad because someone else shouldn't have to live with the stigma of my actions. I made the decision. They had nothing to do with it. Um, but because they're associated with me, it was obviously put on them. And I did feel bad about that, even though I might disagree with their take. I felt like it's not fair that they have to live with the consequences of my actions. So I was very understanding of it. And I think that's partially why, too, they were able to come around because I didn't just say, well, fuck off, you know, <laughs> excuse my French. But I think, you know, that's very important. People are raised a certain way and we're taught things that are so ingrained into our brains. And you can't expect people to just wake up one day and suddenly have a completely new perspective. That's never going to happen. And if you expect that of people, you'll always be disappointed and you're never going to get anywhere. For me, it's trying to be understanding, empathetic of where these people come from, what they've been taught, and how can I help them come to a better perspective in a, in a kind and, and loving way? There's that famous story of that Bell Knox, the Duke University student who, the story goes, wanted to pay her tuition. And this was the easiest and way to make some money. Otherwise, you, you couldn't be a student. And, you know, everything is so expensive in university. And you two became friends because you had this other experience. Did you consult with her or how, what happened there? Oh, well, here's kind of an interesting story that I've never really spoken about publicly. So <laughs> I feel like now is the time. She's kind of, I don't know where she is. She's off doing her own thing. So basically, it was very interesting. You know, I really thought I could brand myself as, you know, this college girl. I'm just a normal chick. Like, I grew up in the suburbs. I had the most normal life. Like, I have loving family and doing porn. I really am the girl next door. And so that was kind of like the brand that I was going for. And I thought, this will be interesting. People will be like, oh, this girl's just like someone I know. She's my friend, and yet she's in porn. So that was kind of the brand that I was going for from the very beginning. So probably a few months and because she got in shortly after I did. So, you know, I was starting to kind of, I was still new in the business, but I was, you know, starting to get a little bit of a name. And one day I'm on set and someone's like, oh, you hear about this girl from North Carolina who's doing porn. And it was interesting. No one in the porn industry knew who she was. We were on set and there's this huge story about her. And yet none of us know who it's referring to. Because I think at the time she'd only shot a few movies, right? 
And so everyone's like, who, who is this girl about like this huge articles written about who's apparently a porn star that not a single one of us knows who she is. She wrote kind of an article or something and that's what had gone viral. And it was really weird because at the time I had a Tumblr and I would write pretty regularly about my experience in sex work and kind of like transitioning into that. And I was reading her thing and I thought, this is so similar to the things that I wrote on my blog, you know, it was uncanny, you know, it was so similar. And I just felt kind of robbed because suddenly she's getting all this attention. And, you know, basically I felt like, wait, that was my brand. (laughs) You know, like I I was the college girl who did porn. And then you come in three months later and you're on all these talk shows. Everyone wants to interview her. There's a lifetime movie about her. There's all these things, you know? And I was like, wait, I was there first. What happened? So of course I felt like a lot of resentment towards her and a lot of girls in the industry did because, you know, anytime there's someone who basically comes out of nowhere and gets a lot of success people are going to feel resentful over that. I kind of was bitching to my parents about it. And my dad, who's always like the voice of reason said, you know, this girl's probably going through a lot and you're probably one of the only people that can really understand where she's coming from. So, you know, instead of like being jealous and being mean, like maybe you need to reach out to her. And I was like, you're right. I'm being a selfish person and only thinking about myself. And so I did that because a lot of people were very mean to her and didn't want anything to do with her. So I reached out and a super sweet girl. And so we kind of connected and I just was like, Hey, you know, I kind of know what you're going through and I'm here for support which was, you know, a very hard for me to do to kind of let go of my pride <laughs> when I felt like, you know, she had taken this thing that I was trying to get. But it was very interesting. One day we were at this some kind of convention, I think in New Jersey, and she was there as well. And uh, we were having a drink one day after the convention. And she told me, she said, you know, before I got into porn, I was reading your Tumblr and your blog. Oh, shit. No. <laughs> yeah. And so she basically said that I was one of the reasons why she got into the business. That was in a way very validating to me because, you know, for a while I thought, oh my God, how self-involved are you, Carter, that you think that this girl knew about your stupid little Tumblr? You know, like, you know, how conceited are you to think that? So it was very validating to be like, okay, well, she actually did know about it. Unfortunately, I think for her, you know, it just because she kept it a secret and because she went to a very high level university, you know, there was all this like controversy and stuff around it and obviously blew her up, but you know, she wasn't really happy in the industry. And unfortunately, you know, I think she really didn't come out with a positive experience or with much to show for it. So I, I've always had a lot of empathy for her because, you know, she will always be a huge name even though she only shot a handful of movies and really wasn't anyone, most girls just go on and live your life. But because of that media attention that we all were jealous of, she probably won't be able to really ever live a normal life and that will always follow her. I haven't spoken to her in years, but I hope that she's, she's doing okay and has found some happiness in her life. Because I thought she was taking on a political role and uh, representing women in the industry or trying to work in a, as a lobbyist or some. Yeah, I remember of that some stuff nature. like that for a while, but I, I haven't heard anything about her in a long time. So I'm not, I'm not sure where she is now. Do you have as many women fans as men fans? What do you think? 
No, <laughs> I wish, but I just think just, no, I don't think that a single porn girl, you know, anyone who's ever been naked on the internet, I think you're going to have just a larger male following than women. But we were actually talking about this the other day at my house because everyone who lives in my house, we all looked at our Instagram following and we all have way more male followers you know, I'm the only one who's done sex work. And even like, you know, my boyfriend has more guy followers and my two girl roommates have more guy followers. And we're like, who do women follow on Instagram? Like, where are they? Who are they following? And I think that's partially my fault because a lot of my fans follow my friends. <laughs> they get a lot, of, uh, a lot of male followers. But I will say my female followers are very engaged. I think a lot of the males that's, you know, you might have 80% male followers but a lot of them are kind of casual. They're not really too engaged. You know, they just like a selfie. That's really all they're there for. Whereas my female followers are a lot more engaged. I'm friends with a lot of them. I've literally ended up living with one of them. Of course, a guy is like watches you in a porn, so he'll follow you. But it's so it means a lot more. And not to hate on, I, I love I love the men too, you know, <laughs> but it just means a little bit more when there's a chick kind of like, you're cool because it's like, oh, thank you. I know you're not just thinking that because, you know, you want to have sex with me, you know? I mean, they might too, but. <laughs> and when you're going back and forth in the dialogue with your followers, are most of those men too? And you find that, you know, it turns into a power kind of uh, relationship that they're trying to exert in, in the space of uh, social media? Not really, to be honest. I feel like people really know my personality because I am so outspoken and everyone kind of knows the rules of engagement as far as communicating with me. I mean, of course, I mean, you get the DM requests that are just insane, like, you know, harassing her. Yeah, insane stuff. And I mean, every girl gets them. So, of course, those exist. But as far as my male fan fans, you know, they are awesome and they know you can't tweet porn at me because then it shows like if you respond to one of my tweets and you respond with a porn video, now that's showing up in my timeline. And I have followers who might not want to see that. You know, I try to keep my stuff safe for work. So that's like a big rule. And if someone does that, I, kind of send them a message like, hey, you need to delete that or I'm going to have to block you. And everyone's always like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm like, it's okay. I get it. I'm just trying to keep it clean. For the most part, everyone just kind of knows like I expect to be respected and not objectified. And for the most part, I mean, I do obviously get that. I think any woman on the internet does. But I will say that I have a pretty good experience overall with people being very respectful and appreciating me for more than just my body and my sexuality. But uh, I was going to ask you if you're hypersexual when you are not in front of a camera. (laughs) (laughs) Yes or no? It's funny because there is that idea that, you know, if you do porn, you must be this crazy sex addict. And it's really funny because all my girlfriends that I've made in the industry, we always laugh about this because for the most part, none of us, like, yes, there are some girls who 100% are that way. But for the most part, a lot of us aren't, or maybe we started off that way. I think for me in college, sex was this exciting thing. I wanted to try everything. 
I wanted to have sex with everybody. I wanted to know what it was like to have sex with this person. I wanted to like try this cool thing. You know, I, I wanted to experiment. You know, it was an adrenaline rush for me. I'm big on experience. I seek that kind of adrenaline rush from putting myself in new experiences. So of course, in the beginning, there was probably some of that. But after you've done porn for a few years, you've kind of experienced it all. I feel like I've done pretty much everything. It's funny because I think, you know, and I tell, I told one of my girlfriends, she got into the business about a year after me and, you know, she was still in that hypersexual phase. And I told her, I was like, you're going to like get bored. (laughs) She was like, I would never, you know, I, I would never, I'm such a sexual person. And recently I was talking to her and she was like, ugh. Like just work, you know. Kind of thing. It's true. Everything and, uh, becomes work, right? It does. It does. And I think it just it loses some of the excitement. It's very interesting, though, because I think as a result, you know, I used to only I I wanted to have crazy sex. I wanted to like have sex with people I didn't know. You know, I wanted that like excitement. And I've just like been really now. I'm just like I know what I like, and it's not. Of course, I still. I still love sex. I'm still a sexual person, but I'm just like much more happy with, you know, kind of some vanilla, like, you know, just like make me feel good, like loving, cuddling Watching after. Friends. Yeah. <laughs> Adult entertainment during the time of Corona now. So has everything just shut down or do you think it's going to be very different in the future? Yeah, I mean, I think the industry was already changing a lot, um, which is one reason why I kind of got out of the business I do think what's happening is amazing as far as OnlyFans and girls creating their own content. I think it's very positive. It puts a lot of power into the performer's hands. It gives you financial stability so you don't feel like you have to shoot a scene that you don't want to do because you know you have other income and that you can take breaks because, you know, a lot of times 2014, 2015, you know, when it was kind of like my heyday, I mean, I was shooting almost every day and it can be very wearing on you. And I think it's important to be able to take breaks. And so as far as the OnlyFans and where this is going, I think the industry is changing a lot already. And Corona is definitely pushed it even further that way because everything is kind of shut down um, and everyone's really having to rely on their OnlyFans. And I think it's great. It wasn't for me. I have no desire to basically sit at home and flirt with guys via text or post a lot of masturbation videos. That's just like not my personality. I could do it. But you know, what was fun for me was going to set and being around people and like, okay, today you're this character and you get some ridiculous script. That's just so insane. That was always very fun for me. So it's one reason why I kind of like distanced myself from the industry, but I think it's like really good. And, you know, obviously Corona as a whole is terrible But I think as far as it pushing the industry more towards like individuals owning their own content is definitely a positive thing. So you didn't ever think about directing because I know, you know, like Maggie Gyllenhaal in in the TV show, right? Who decides she just, she wants to get on the other side of the camera and direct movies. And you have a lot of different things that you're interested in, but this isn't one of them, I guess, right? I mean, I love to direct. I think, I mean, acting has been something that I've done my whole life. That's one of the reasons why I got into porn. Like, oh, I can act every day. Like, you know, I don't care if there's like sex involved. It's going to a set, it's playing a character. And that's 
truly my favorite thing to do. But I think directing is kind of like where a lot of my skills lie. And I really like doing it. But as far as pornography, I always felt a little bit disillusioned by the idea of directing it. It's very formulaic. I will say like, you know, there's two movies that I really like in pornography, Wasteland and Portrait of a Call Girl. And those were movies were directed by the same guy. Those are like the only two movies he did. And then I don't know what happened to him. The reason why I got into the business was watching those movies and thinking like, this is art. It's beautiful. I was fast forwarding through the sex to like find out what happened in the story. And that was really cool to me. But there's just really not a whole lot of space for that, especially now because of Pornhub and the tube sites, which basically have taken over the industry by stealing content and putting people out of business, you know, lowering rates. Now there's really not the same amount of money in mainstream pornography as there used to be. So they don't have budgets for these really awesome movies. So you have these shoestring budgets and a lot of companies, they want it to be formulaic. They want five minutes of dialogue, 10 minute sex scene, five minutes of dialogue, 10 minute sex scene. And who wants to watch 40 minutes of sex in a movie? You know, what am I going to masturbate four times in this movie? Like, you know, I'd rather it be like a slow. <laughs> you want to do like and, the Quibi, like the, you know, the Quibi, you know, that short form video that they put out, you know, that's like 10 minute episodes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know the yeah. Well, then this Wasteland was kind of like that, where basically they filmed full sex scenes. So when you buy the DVD, the extras, you can watch the full, like, 20, 30 minute sex scenes, but in the movie, they're cut to probably five, five-ish minutes, um, except for the final scene. So there's short sex scenes throughout the movie that build the tension and then end. If I ever had an opportunity to do a project like that, I would be all over it. I'd be super excited but I just haven't really seen anyone do anything like that. And because of the budget situation, I just don't know if we will be seeing anything like that in the future, which is unfortunate, but. Well, you never know. I want to ask you one more thing because you also speak out in favor of cannabis. Mm-hmm. And, and I know you were involved with the last prisoner project. You mm-hmm. played an event there. So how does that play in into your life and in the world, you know, the world that you inhabit. Is that just part of everybody's lifestyle? It was very interesting moving out here to California. When I first moved out here, I didn't have any friends. You know, I didn't know anyone. I think I spent the first few months out here. I wasn't working a whole lot too. When I first moved out here, no one knew really who I was. So I I had a lot of free time and I didn't really have a social life. I definitely was introduced to this world of like, oh my God, you can just buy edibles, you know? Uh, And uh, I remember I gained a a little bit of weight when I first moved out to California because I would just eat edibles and then just go to 7-Eleven and eat 7-Eleven pizza, (laughs) which is my guilty pleasure. Get some more gummy gummy bears too. Oh yes. I love gummy candy. It's my favorite. And I remember my agent was like, "Mm, you're looking like a little bit. I was like, how dare you tell me like how I need to look. And then I saw some pictures of myself and I was like, okay, you're right. Probably need to cut back on the 7-Eleven pizza. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But not on the, uh, not on the edibles, right? Not on the edibles, yeah. I just need to learn to not consume so much. Marijuana is something I've always found. You know, back in 
in high school, it was, I never really got to experience it too much, which is probably for the best. Your brain's still developing, you know, I had a, a few little experiences with it, but in college, you know, whenever I would smoke, it would be this whole, I was so anxious. I remember, you know, you'd always smoke at some random kid's house that you barely knew and you'd get really high and you don't know your mouth's dry. You feel like you're going to cough. You forget you're telling a story and you forget <laughs> what you were saying, you know, and, and you start having all this anxiety. And when I went to college, one of my good friends like sold weed. So I just had as much as I wanted. And uh, I was able to smoke on my own and like just be alone and, you know, get high and got comfortable. You know, it's, I think it's one of those things you become comfortable. Like it's okay. I'm not, I don't need to freak out. Like, yeah, I feel different. I try to save it for nighttime. If I smoke during the day, I'm not quite as productive. <laughs> so, uh, but it's definitely something I always like incorporate in my life. Cause I, you know, I, I'm not an anxious person, but I do get stressed about things. I use it so much as a medicine. I mean, like I get terrible migraines and weed is like the only thing that saves me from that and can get me through that. I'll get really sick to my stomach. And so, yeah, marijuana can be a fun social thing, but I also really respect it as far as medicine. And actually, I was going to say before I jumped on this, before I jumped in the room, I was listening to your uh, podcast with Chelsea Leyland. Oh, yeah. I wanted to kind of get a feel for your podcast. So I was listening to that and it was very interesting to me. I really enjoyed listening to her talk because I felt like as far as the DJing and her advocacy uh, and wanting to basically use her position in order to advocate for something that she felt was important. I felt very connected to that. So I really yeah, enjoyed that connection. podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you. Appreciate it. Carter Cruz, thank you so much for being on uh, Light Culture today. For sure. Real treat. Thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to Light Culture. You can find us at shopverb.com, Light Culture, or at Light Culture Podcast. Thanks again to Burb. You can follow them at ShopBurb on Instagram. And don't forget to subscribe to and review the show. If you would like to get in touch, reach out to me directly at David Reporting. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.